All right. Well, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening and for this time together. God, I pray that this time will be used to bless your name, to glorify you, to lift up your name. God, I pray that as we go through, Lord, what you have made known throughout your history and God, what you continue to do with that in our lives today, Lord, that we will be comforted knowing your promises last forever. And Lord, that in you, they are kept. Lord, we love you and we thank you and be with us this evening, God. Amen. Now, this evening, we're going to be reading from one of the longest chapters in Scripture, and which I'm going to read most of for you today. Um, one of the reasons why it is the longest is because when we read the story of um, Rebecca and Abraham sending a servant to go retrieve her, uh, well, he ends up repeating the first half of the chapter as he gives his testimony about what has happened. So we're going to go through most of it. I, I am going to kind of hop over a teeny bit of when he uh, repeats everything again, but we are going to go through that. And what we're going to see is in this testimony, we're going to be reading this as it's a love story. It's really about God keeping his promise to Abraham. It's Abraham's love for his son in finding a woman that will honor the Lord. It's a servant's love for his master and in honoring the wishes of Abraham. And it's also about a new budding love that we see come up between Rebekah and Isaac. So as we start, please remember this is the word of the Lord. From As we go through this and we see this from biblical history. Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servants, the oldest of his household who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back to there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he rose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water. At the time of evening, 
the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young women to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before I had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please, tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. And as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring, and he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? Excuse me. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, "I will not eat until I have what until I have said what I have to say." And he said, "Speak on." So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. I'd like for you to go ahead and move on to verse 50. Verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant 
heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. And when they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the men, followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Ber Laharoi and was dwelling in Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that, had, that he had done. And then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Whether long or short, we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Amen? Amen. All right. Last week we talked about Abraham burying his wife and the mourning process which followed. And we learned that while there was a great sadness in the event of this, Abraham remained hopeful in the promises of God. In fact, he was filled with such hope and faith that he bought his first piece of the promised land that his descendants would, hope, would own in burying his wife. And he even overpaid for it because he recognized that in God's promises, it would be more valuable one day. So Abraham thought the higher price was the fairer and more correct price. Well, now that Sarah has been buried, Abraham now prepares for his own death. And as any good parent would, he wants to see his son with a good and solid woman. And even in the way he demonstrates this, 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 we see here in this passage that this is more than just Abraham wanting someone specific for his son. I mean, that's included. But the main point of this passage is about the continuation of the line of God's promises for his people. God keeps his promises. And Abraham is acting in faith even the way he charges his servant in finding a wife. Where was the hand placed when the promise was made? On the thigh. A place of strength. A place of, a place of where, where uh, there is power in the leg. We also see that in the way, in, even in the verse itself, Abraham said that 
Um, oh, forgive me. Um, even in the way in which Abraham directed his servant to go out and find direct, uh, to find Rebekah, he had told the servant that God had promised him the land. He didn't say that he was going to receive the land by marrying his children into the Canaanite families or into the Canaanite nations. He said it would be given to Abraham and one day it would all belong to him and his family. And in so by telling his servant, no, it must not come from Canaan. It would be better for, for my son to have no wife and for you to absolve yourself of this oath than to have him marry a Canaanite woman. That act was an act of faith. He was trusting God with the search for his son's future wife. Just as any good parent would do if their child marries. It is our prayer that if they marry, they find someone that honors the Lord. In verses 1 through 9, we see Abraham giving these orders. And we see him desiring to see God's promises completed. But in addition to seeing these, Abraham, these, these Abrahamic promises kept, we also see another promise kept. And it goes all the way back to Genesis. The promise that God through childbirth would one day deliver his people. Through Eve, through the families, and it would also be through this line in Israel that one day Christ would be born. We also see that promise being kept as well. So Abraham is trusting God for his promise. And in trusting God with his promise, he looks to his most trusted servant, and he's given the mission to the servant to go and find this wife. Now, we actually don't know who this servant was. But what we do know was that this servant was trustworthy. And that this servant cared deeply about the wishes of his master. And so trustworthy that Abraham gave him control of a great deal of, of, of all that he owned. Back in chapter 15, God had already told Abraham that he was going to be taking away this land from the Canaanites. And this is about, about God keeping his promise. And part of this was finding the wife for Isaac. I've heard sometimes that faith has both a passive and an active side. In other words, that there's times where faith is resting in God's in his promises and his provision and waiting on the Lord. But it's also acting. On the active side, it's also acting on what God has told us to do. If you believe what God tells you, you'll do what God says. And so we see Abram's faith being exercised as he sends out his servant. And we also see that the servant is wise and waiting and acts as well. We see that the servant is wise because, he, because of how he goes about fulfilling the wishes of Abraham. He takes... Ten camels. Now, now, history tells us that camels weren't used on a wide scale until about 800 years after the time of Abraham. And if you had camels, you had money, you had wealth. Camels were a sign of great wealth. 
And this particular servant takes 10 camels with him. It's like taking a small army of Lamborghinis with you if you're trying to impress someone. So anyone who meets him is going to be thinking they're going to see this caravan of camels and they're going to see 10 camels. Whoa, something big is going on. And then they'll stop and think, how much more must the master have? And that's part of the wisdom. Because back in those days, you would send your single daughters out to the well to fetch water. And I'm not sure. And, and part of this was because of the heat of the sun. And that was one of the coolest times. You either went early in the morning when the, when the sun was cool, or you went late at night to grab your water. But also, meets, uh, people meeting one another happened at the well. Actually, we actually see this with Moses as well. He actually met his wife at a well as well. So this servant is wise. He's also a man of faith. And now some people say that the servant probably wasn't a believer because of the phrase he says, O Lord, God of my master Abraham. They say that if he was a believer, he would have just said, My God, instead of God of my master. But I don't believe that's actually the case. Uh, first, if he wasn't a believer, he probably wouldn't have even stopped to pray to God. Secondly, the way this phrase is in his prayer is an expression. It's semantic. Because, well, my God is also your God as well. We both honor and worship our Lord. And it's the way he, it's the way he spoke. Thirdly, he directs his prayer specifically to the Lord. Adonai. He is praying to God and appealing to God's sovereignty, saying, please, God, make this happen. And by saying the God of Abraham, my master, yes, he is referring to the God of the covenant promises of Abraham. And so, yes, this servant was both wise and faithful. And this guy knows about how to pray to the one true God. So sure enough, God answers the prayer. Rebecca shows up and not only gives him a drink, but she also waters his camels. Now, camels store a good deal of water in their humps, and they have the ability to drink a great deal of water quickly. Camels drink 53 gallons of water in as little as three minutes. I feel kind of like a zoology professor today because I've been giving a lot of animal facts in all my sermons. But, but this gives you kind of some picture. That's a lot of water. We don't know if the camels were running on empty and needed all 53 gallons or, or if they were just slightly thirsty. But nonetheless, to water all these camels until they weren't thirsty, that was a huge task. It would take a person that cares deeply about helping people and serving people to do an act like that. Have you ever gone out to help someone and you found out it was a much bigger task than what you initially thought? You know? Um, so, like, I remember, Daryl, when you and I went out and we, we were looking at trees out on your property to help haul some of that off, I thought, oh, that tree doesn't look that heavy, you know? And then we try to lift up one of those stumps, and I'm like, okay, I think I just aged about 20 years trying to lift that up. Oh, my back. You know, type of thing. It, it, it ended up being a great task. It was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. And you can take me up on that again whenever you want, brother. But that's, that's what it was. It was, okay, the one that is willing to offer me a drink. And then out of the graciousness of their heart, 
will even go out of their way to bring water to ten camels. Ten camels capable of drinking this much water. May she be the one. Because he knows she will be of good character. Now, after she's done watering the camels, he pulls out a nose ring and bracelets. When they say ring, they're not talking about a ring on the hand. That's something our culture does. That's not the kind of ring. This is a nose ring, the kind that, the kind that goes in the nose. And then large bracelets that go around the arms. Now, the text tells us that they weighed ten and a half shekels of gold. And when we look at the value, that's today, that's more than $15,000 worth of jewelry. And he's shown her that he is part of a wealthy family and that they are a family of means and that if she comes back with him, they will take good care of her. And the last thing he has to do, though, is after she's received these things to make sure is that the family is okay with the arrangement. And we see this in verse 24. Now, I want you to notice what happens when he tells her father? And after, he, and, and, and after he agrees, the man, what does he do? The servant bows his head to the floor and he begins to worship God. He worships the Lord. And here's the thing, he could have said, yay me, I found a good wife. This guy has traveled 450 miles, which would have taken about a month for him to go. He manages to go to the exact place he needed to. He finds the perfect woman for Isaac, and then he's done everything his master has asked for him. It would be a home run in terms of a mission. And yet he stops to praise, the, uh, to praise God. And remember, Rebecca was there as well. I'm sure seeing this had an impact on Rebecca as well. If we read verses 20 and verse uh, 20 through 30, we see that she tells her brother and the rest of the family what he said. And then she is sent back with the servant, and Isaac meets her, and they begin to build their relationship. At one point, just before that, the family's like, well, maybe, can, can you just delay her leaving a bit? But this servant is faithful and wise. He wants to fulfill his mission to Abraham quickly and well. So in all of this, here's what I would like for you to take away. Yes, it's a long chapter. Yes, it's a pretty straightforward story, but this is what I'd like for you to take away from this. In all of this, what we're seeing is God's providence. God has had a plan since the beginning of time, and he's going to see that his plan and his purposes are fulfilled. God made a promise to Eve way back in the Garden of Eden, and he intended to keep it. He promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And of course, that theme that we're moving into here is that the seed of the woman is also the seed of Abraham. The two run in line with one another, and it sets the stage for the birth of Jesus Christ. And so when we see that God's plan and his purposes cannot be thwarted by time, by circumstance, 
or even by the foolishness of men, it should cause us as Christians, yes, to be thankful, to rejoice, and to be bold even in our walk with Him. When we realize that indeed God's plans will not be stopped. It should cause us to be thankful and to celebrate the fact that God is in control and He will bring about His good and perfect will. You know the verse, Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. And God can say that because He is the one who is going to make it work for good to those who are the called according to His purposes. God is sovereign. He's still on the throne. And we know that He loves us. And that He cares for us. And because He has ensured that His plans of sending our Savior would come to pass. And they did come to pass. And if God was willing and able to go to that extent, not only sending Jesus to die for our sins, but also orchestrating all of the human history to that point where Jesus was sent, then we can rest assured that He is going to continue to work all these things together for His good. Jesus is coming back, and He is coming back soon. His redemption, and yes, this final judgment is at the precipice. It is on the edge. It is coming soon. Our God keeps His word. He establishes and makes His plans reality. When we hope in the future of God's promises, it is as real and it is as certain as this moment that you breathe. Because God says it is so. So take comfort in knowing God is in control and everything will work in the end to what He says will happen. God isn't sitting in heaven just playing with His fingers, not sure what to do with them, worrying about what the devil is doing on earth. No, God is sovereign and He is King of the universe. And for us who belong to Him, there is peace in that. Even when the world seems crazy to us, because of our limited capacity to do anything for ourselves, God makes a way. God makes His way. God's way is the truth and the reality of what is to be. God's plan and no other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening, for Your blessings and for this time together. Lord, I pray that, God, that we do realize that in the struggle, Lord, that you are still with us. And God, that your plans do not change. God, that your plan is as sure as the sunrise. God, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, that you are going to redeem all creation. Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord, for the death and the resurrection of your Son. We praise you and thank you, Lord, that he will be coming again. He will be coming again. And your plan over all these years, Lord, has been executed exactly, Lord, as you wanted it to be. Help us, Lord, to trust in you, to trust in your plan, and to act in faith. Amen. God bless, and y'all have a good night.